So today's topic is about how to connect virtually with the people that we're working with, with our clients, our colleagues, our supervisors, um, our coworkers, right? And earlier this week, we put out a video about how to check in on our coworkers in terms of the projects, um, in terms of you know their progress on different work. Um, and that kind of thing, right? So more of the professional side of our interactions with our colleagues. But that's not just, um, that's not the only important thing with mm. our interactions with our, our coworkers. We also need to bring in that more human element to our uh, social interaction that has now really uh, taken, is, is taking place through the remote work um, scenario, right? And with our digital communications, with our email, our Zoom calls, our Slack, uh, cell phone, you know, calls, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it's becoming increasingly relevant, not because in-person interactions are disappearing, but because the uh, working from home, working remotely, uh, these types of work environments are becoming more common. And uh, if you look at what a lot of companies are saying, you know, Part of this process has helped them realize that in a lot of roles, the work from home setup is actually most efficient for everyone involved. Exactly. So uh, recognizing that, it's important that we learn and equip ourselves with uh, ways to communicate digitally, um, not just in an effective professional capacity, but also as humans, right? Because when you are communicating in person, right. Uh, there are a lot of things that happen automatically that we take for granted, right? We consider our human, our in-person communications as high-resolution communication, right? High fidelity because you have so much more information, right? There's a clear picture of their facial expressions, the micro expressions, the micro expressions, tone of voice, tone of voice right? Uh, there's just so much more you have to work with their body language, yeah. and you're seeing it all right there. Whereas if you're on a Zoom call, the, the view might be pixelated, the sound might be distorted. Um, there are uh, way fewer opportunities to really sort of detect what the person is feeling and what they're trying to communicate beyond their words. Right. And that it gets further compounded if you're using something like a phone or uh, email exactly. or, or you know, a chat app. Or we're actually right? missing out on those nonverbal cues right. that we rely so heavily upon when we can see the person. Exactly, right? and so for this reason, um, it's very important when we switch to digital channels that we humanize those communications, yeah. right? We want to make those uh, as rich and meaningful as an in-person interaction would have been. So right. that's sort of the goal of this conversation. Right. And if we think about it, you know, there are, there's a lot of um, sort of perfunctory kind of exchanges that go on. This is a perfect opportunity to, you know, tone it down with those perfunctory mm. exchanges because it's not like we're gonna be sitting at our computer all day just talking to the same person, right? We, you might be sitting at your computer all day, but you're gonna be in and out of different meetings, you're gonna be you know, doing emails, other projects, different work, right? So we're going to eliminate the, the perfunctory and really come in with the more um, 
substantial mm -hmm. type of exchanges. So one way to do that is through maintaining this or adopting this openness. And this is something that, you know, psychologists um, actually talk about in the context of when people are having a really tough time mm. in that when you are the person who is interacting with someone going through a difficult time, and I think we can all attest that these are challenging times right now. In many ways. In many ways, and for different people in different ways. Um, but we can all commiserate knowing that this is how it is for a lot of people. Um, the openness that comes in is really about not being judgmental. It's having an open heart and an open mind when you're being receptive to what people are expressing to you. And maybe you having to go out a little bit on a limb and probing them if you mm. notice something is just awry or is totally off, right? So or that, even a little bit off. Or a little bit off, right. Yeah. So it's this openness that you, sh you it's, it's important to sort of now turn that um, switch on, right? Especially with these remote interactions. And it's also, so having an open mind, an open heart, not being judgmental, and the sense of acknowledging the person. Right, and, and I think the, the acknowledgement is a big part of this, right? When we talk about being open, uh, it isn't that you know, the conversation should be dominated by uh, our personal lives and, and uh, what's going on sort of behind the scenes. It's simply more so about the last word you use, acknowledgement, right? Acknowledging that the other person is there, uh, acknowledging um, that you know, they have a life in addition to work, yeah. uh, as do you. Mm -hmm and finding ways to tap into that just a little bit, enough that you establish this understanding between the two of you. Exactly. Where, um, you know, if you can be, you know, a little bit open about something personal, yeah. it sets a nice foundation for the rest of the conversation. Right. Right? right. It, it you, establishes a rapport. Exactly. Uh, that you can uh, leverage to have a clear conversation and productive conversation about whatever it is professionally that you wanted to discuss. Right, and it really comes down to, on the other side of acknowledging, the validating that happens mm -hmm. when you acknowledge. Um, a lot of times, you know, people, I'm actually reading this book right now called Option B with, um, co-written by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. And it's really good um, if you want to look at the ways in which we can you know, overcome insurmountable obstacles, build resilience, find joy, this kind of thing in the first in the face of adversity. So I highly recommend it. Um, and they have some experience with that. That that is very true. These um, are uh, one's an yeah. executive of Facebook, and the other is a decorated uh, Wharton professor. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't take his course when you were at Wharton. It's hard to get in. Yeah, it's hard to get true. in. Adam Grant. I mean, he was already a celebrity when I was there. So uh, I, uh, I experienced it vicariously, and he would do talks. And, you know, of course, talks. yeah, yeah. Anyway, not to digress, but definitely check out that, that book, Option B, if this is something that you're interested in. And so one of the takeaways is this openness um, that we, we should sort of you know, start adopting with mm -hmm. our social interactions, especially in the remote context because of the lack of, of that, right? When right. we're on a screen, you can't really sense what's going on unless somebody verbalizes it. And then when they do verbalize it, it's your job then to, because you're practicing active listening, which we talk a lot about on this channel, 
um, then you are acknowledging. And right. that's something that people really, like, it feels so good when somebody acknowledge, acknowledges, um, what am I? Acknowledges. Acknowledges. It sounds so weird. <laughs> acknowledges your feelings because you, valid, they, they're validated, right? Your feelings, your struggles are then validated. So that's yeah. a big first one. I, I like that. And, yeah. and um, that two-part process is also, I think, very powerful because being open is a little bit like putting your, uh, you know, sticking out a limb. Um, exposing it, yourself. Yeah, exposing almost. yourself. It takes courage. And yeah. when you put yourself out like that, it's very comforting to have the person then receive what it is you're putting out there. Right. That's that acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. I'm yeah. having trouble with that. It's such a weird word when you say yeah. it. So, there's some words in English when you repeat again and again. It's yeah. just, it's just more like, more is this really a word? Totally. You know? But by, by acknowledging that openness, um, yeah. it validates uh, their decision to put it out there. Mm -hmm. And again, it establishes this, this trust, this link. So important. Uh, that, that sets a great foundation for the rest of the conversation. Exactly. And then for future interactions as well. Yeah. So the openness is the first big one. And then the second thing in terms of humanizing our interactions, building rapport, maintaining trust, all of the good stuff that comes with human connectivity, of course, is to ask questions. Mm. And again, this is something that um, is, is brought up in, in the Option B book. And this is something that sort of surprised me in that there is a, a lot of people, so a lot of people actually want people to ask them questions in the mm -hmm. context of when they're struggling, when they might be, you know, overcoming an obstacle, that kind of thing. They want people to ask them how they're feeling and how, you know, how it's going and yeah. how they overcame that or how they're experiencing it right now and that kind of thing. Whereas some people might be of the sort of uh, camp that says you shouldn't really ask questions because that's like overstepping, that's being nosy, that's being overly inquisitive or curious. Whereas there's actually research that supports, and also you know, first-hand account, first accounts from people who say that they've been experiencing uh, just their worlds upside going upside down, and when they had people to talk to and who asked them questions, that was such a, a you know huge relief for them and a, a really great way of you know. Um, sort of like overcoming those obstacles. Right, yeah, I think the friction that, that we're getting at here is the balance between um, respecting someone's privacy uh, yeah. and showing concern, right? Or just showing um, care. Care, Care. Yeah. I mean, concern is a strong word because yeah. it doesn't have to be negative, it can be yeah. positive, but yeah. showing care, right? And I, I struggle with this personally um, because it's hard for me to tell if that person wants to talk more about themselves or doesn't. And, and you know, you'll hear that in general, people enjoy talking about themselves, and that can be true. Um, but particularly in professional contexts, uh, it can feel awkward for them. It, it can feel um, sort of not necessarily a safe place for them to share this stuff. And so there is um, a, a certain level of awareness you need yeah. to employ mm -hmm. when you probe. But at the same time, as you're pointing out, people like to know that the person they're interacting with cares about them as a person, right? We're not just machines. We're not just, um, uh, you know, 
tools, one-dimensional, one-dimensional sort of input-output, uh, we are, uh, you know, fully dimensional, exactly. multi-dimensional humans who exactly. are working and uh, are getting stuff done and you know being productive at the same time. We have uh, emotions, we have uh, personal lives, and so forth. So by by generating a, um, a touch point where you're making a connection with them and doing so through questions that show you care about you know, what's going on beyond the scope of the, the project, you the, might project be the professional on. context, that is uh, it's an important way of establishing rapport. And it can be done in a way that doesn't come across as nosy, right? Exactly. So one thing that you brought up uh, was this question of when do I ask those questions? How do I know to ask those questions. And believe it or not, if we're paying attention, if we're really listening fully, mm. right, to not only what they're saying, but how they're saying it, what their expressions look like, and even through a Zoom call, you can see a little bit of that. The big thing here is to pick up on like how many times they start to reference something. Right. Right, so, um, you know, if someone's talking about uh, struggles that they're having with their their toddler and they bring up multiple times that their toddler uh, had surgery, uh, that might be something that you kindly, conscientiously, you know, inquire about mm -hmm. because clearly that's something that they want to talk about. And that's a perfect example of a tricky situation, right? Because, okay, so uh, a family member has had surgery that's a very personal topic with a lot of emotions around it, right? Is that something you want to delve into? If it comes up very briefly and in a very vague way, maybe you don't. But if the person, in your case, uh, brings it up multiple times, that's probably uh, them signaling that they want you to ask. They want to, to get it off their chest. Maybe it's been a, an emotional weight for them. Right. And so by sharing it with someone else, it relieves the burden from them, right? So that's yeah. what we talk about. There's not a one-size-fits-all formula here. Right. It's much more about being an active listener and determining based on the cues that they're giving, the social cues that they're emitting, whether it makes sense to probe or whether it makes sense to, you know, Change topics. Change topics or, or have a light touch. Right. Um, and that, the only way to tell for sure is to, to, to you know, know the person and, yeah. and trust your gut, right? Yeah. We're, we're, our, our minds are sort of built to understand uh, the, the cues that other people are giving us. And some people are better at than others, but it is absolutely a skill that you can train. And a lot of what the content uh, that we discuss has to do with is these skills, right? The skills of developing uh, that awareness about whether this is the right time to do this or not. Um, yeah, timing is, is, I mean, they say timing is everything. And it, it is kind of true, right? Yeah. You know, you might not broach that specific topic right from the get-go, right? You might give it some time in terms of like what to do, uh, when to say something mm -hmm. and how to inquire about it. Right, so there's that nuance, and it's this delicate balance of, as you were pointing out, right, asking the question, but then doing it in a way that's not going to, you know, hurt their feelings or make them feel uh, worse than they had before talking to you. Yeah. 
right? So, okay, so the first one we had was having this openness, right? And, and that comes down to active listening, not being judgmental, and then opening, you know, your heart and your mind to what they're saying. And, and as you pointed out, Greg, you know, it's, it's something, sometimes it's about sharing something that you've been going through. Yep. Because if you're sharing something, they're going to be much more likely to also share something. Um, and this could be, you know, just like the frustration about uh, homeschooling kids right now, if that's something. Or uh, maybe your laundry machine is broken and you can't get a repair person to fix it, right? Just any, anything. It, it doesn't have to be uh, so big or so small. It's just a, about expressing that. And then the next thing we had was asking questions because people really like having that opportunity to be acknowledged and also validated. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing in terms of humanizing our interactions which will come in handy when we are also in person. This is not just for the remote work setting. It's about how to ask, how are you, in the right way, mm. right? And so you might be So this is almost an offshoot of the second one. In, in a way, of, yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, but when we're going through something, when we say, how are you, and we just get the response, fine, thanks, how are you, and you know that that person's not doing well, you know that it's just like you said it before, a social performance, mm-hmm. right? And Irving Goffman talks a lot about... Who's Irving Goffman? Uh, well, he... I can't remember if he's a sociologist or an anthropologist, but they're all sort of related. An expert. Well, yeah, an expert. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think a sociologist, sociologist. anthropologist. Okay. Um, anyway, look him up. Irving Goffman, he talks all about the... Well, he has several books out, but one of them is about how we play a role when we're interacting and it's about the performance, the social performance Mm. and that we're actors, you know, on a stage, uh, assuming a role and playing a character. And, you know, there's so much of that that is true in terms of, you know, when we interact with people even on online, right? We might think that we shouldn't ask, like, I'm in a work setting, so I'm not going to ask about their kids. Right. Around, about that family member that, you know, had, you know, surgery or whatever. Um, because that's not, you know, what a work, uh, you know, that's not what a professional person does. But that's not actually the case, right? We're talking about this now new reality of the work-life blend mm-hmm. that is blending even more mm-hmm. these days. Um, and so asking how are you and actually getting a real response is is important. Maybe now more than ever. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and and it seems um, like something we're already good at, right? Because mm-hmm. we do it all the time. Uh, but the real key here is that when you ask someone, how are you? Uh, if you use those exact words, you're almost guaranteed to get the generic, I'm fine, right, thanks, thanks, how are how you? Are you? <laughs> right? And uh, there's no real meaning in that. And that's no one's fault. It's just some a pattern that, that we've adopted. And... Uh, so what we're trying to get at is the importance of getting beyond that. You can ask, how are you? And let's say they respond with, fine, thanks, how are you? That's an opportunity for you to then say, you know, uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, what's interesting is, or something I've been struggling with is, or what was really cool was, right, add a little more to more it, depth. right? More depth. Yeah. And by you responding with that, that'll invite them to, to also start to engage with a little more substance. 
And um, so that's, that's, I think, if, if they respond with, if you find yourself getting into that sort of cyclical pattern, yeah. that's a good way to break out of it. But instead of, at the beginning, instead of asking, how are you? Maybe asking something a little more personal, right? Or a little more specific. Um, obviously context dependent, but getting beyond the sort of generic formalities is a key to, to unlocking some of that more substantial conversation. And again, this is a professional context. We're not, right. we're not saying, you know, you should have a 10 minute uh, tangential conversation on laundry, on, on laundry or yeah. whatever, you know, is ailing the world. Uh, but the point here is by opening the conversation with something personal, um, and doing so uh, through through expressing um, care for the other person, you're essentially what you're able to do is, is sort of get on the same frequency with the other person, right? You're getting on the same wavelength, and that's that's where that term comes from. It's like when you dial a radio, you're you hear the static on either side, and if you get it just right, suddenly the the music's coming through crisp and clear. That's what you're trying to do. Uh, with this type of communication, right? Mm -hmm. By establishing that rapport and that trust with the other person, that personal connection, you are able to have a much more effective conversation about whatever else it is you're discussing. Exactly. Not because the two things are related, but simply because our minds work that way, right? Once, once we've established this sort of neuro connection with each other, uh, everything else we discuss is just going to make more sense. And that's because that's, that's just the way our brains work. Yeah, and you'll have more empathy, you know, the next time you uh, broach that topic or, you know, in terms of maybe if you're the manager and you're assigning different projects to people, you might, you know, think twice about to whom you're assigning it in that moment, right? So it's all of this um, external, all these external elements that help inform what's going on internally um, in that work setting, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 something to keep in mind. And like you said, you know, you don't have to spend 10, 20 minutes um, on a call unpacking all the intricacies of, you know, changing diapers or something. I don't know. Big um, on to the kids these days. I know. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like because I feel for the kids right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's well, tough. the family is where with, you're taking care of kids. And, yeah. And, and summer and, is approaching. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's got to be challenging. So we have some videos about what to do with kids and different creative activities. Maybe you should check that out if you have some kids at home and, you know, or know people. And this might be a great opportunity to share um, some tips that you learn from exploring with some other people who have kids. Yeah. Um, but the whole idea is to pepper, you know, your interactions with these human elements to, to remind ourselves that we are human, we're not machines, and we're not expecting anyone to be uh, a machine and just to, like, smile through it, right? Just grit your teeth and bear it. No. We're humans. We're feeling. We have a lot of emotions. We're complex. Our communication is complex. So let's try to relieve everyone a little bit of, of a burden, um, as, as best we can. Yeah, and, and what you'll discover is that the more human elements you can work into your conversations, professional conversations included, in a digital context, the more enjoyable they'll be, right? We talk a lot about fatigue of, of Zoom calls, fatigue yeah. of uh, digital interfaces. Um, and a lot of that fatigue comes from this challenge of parsing out uh, the, the information from all the static, 
right? All the distracting, um, literally there could be static. But or figuratively. But, but figuratively, right? There's, there's a lot more going on with these digital interfaces and it's much harder to pay attention to the signal. Um, so by developing ways of establishing this human connection uh, through these digital channels, you can relieve a lot of the cognitive load of, of comprehension and it'll make for a much more natural, pleasurable, and an efficient, productive conversation. So yeah. definitely worth developing these skills. and For sure. And again, yeah. it's not just going to be helpful to you in the context of your digital communications and remote work, but also when, you, when we do go back into society and we do experience our face-to-face -face communication again, you might start you know changing the way you ask how are you and or you might start changing the way of of, of listening or, right right so so these are all really valuable lessons that we can transfer into different communication settings yep great all right well, i think that uh wraps yep. up today yeah thanks for uh tuning in and as always uh we look forward to uh, your feedback and comments and things that have worked for you, strategies that work for you, challenges that you encounter on these topics. So by all means, leave your comments, chime in, let us know. Yeah, we love hearing from you. Yeah. So happy exploring, everyone. Happy we'll exploring. We'll see you in the next one. Yeah, we'll see you next week.